We can turn to uh, John chapter 19. Uh, we're going to be spending some time on um, uh, the last little phrase in that. But it is now a dark afternoon around 3 p.m. on this Good Friday. The sun blotted out by the hand of God. Jesus, with all his strength, has just taken the full blow of the penalty of sin, crying, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in John 19, 28, it says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. See, Jesus was accused falsely, was tried in a court that wasn't looking for truth, unjustly tried in the court during the night and early morning when no court should have met, condemned to death while telling the truth, beaten with rods and whips that none of us can comprehend in full, back, sides, buttocks, hamstrings ripped open to the bone, head pierced with two-inch thorns, abandoned by friends, neighbors, family, and in the final three hours of his death, abandoned uh, by God the Father, mocked, spit upon, shamed, punched, beaten with sticks and rocks, and yet Jesus proclaimed seven cries from the cross, cries of forgiveness for those that are harming him, cries of welcome for those that receive his forgiveness. Today you will be with me in paradise. Cries of provision for his loved ones to be cared for, the binding of two to become one family, Cries of receiving the penalty of our sin. Cries of thirsting for the provision of the Father. The one true source of nourishment. And today the cry of fulfillment of the very thing Jesus came to accomplish. See, this morning we have one point and a very important one. What is the it in the it is finished? Some would proclaim the it to be Jesus' life. Others would say it to be the torture or the pain is now finished. These conclusions wouldn't be entirely wrong, and anyone reading through the story at first glance would probably agree. But when Jesus, like the pre previous cries we have already studied, say, says something, especially one of his final words, his final words, we need to take special notice. See, the right question for each of the cross from Jesus while hanging by nails piercing his skin is why did he say what he said? So far, each of the cries benefited others. And this one, scholars and theologians would agree, it also brings benefit. This cry is the cry that brings eternal benefit to those that put their faith and trust in Jesus as Lord. It is a cry like no other. It is the cry of one accomplishing his task. I'm not sure what you accomplished by the age of 33, but Jesus fulfilled the will of God Almighty by laying his life down, not just for his friends, but his enemies. The Bible says that this type of love is like no other. So in order to find what the it of the it is finished, we need to in some way understand the timeline of the story of Scripture to be reminded why Jesus in the first place says, yes, it is finished, is a massive statement of victory. 
And this is why we say as believers in Jesus that this Friday is a good one. So clearly I won't be able to cover each fulfillment that is wrapped up in the words of Jesus, but together we will see that throughout history, this story of Jesus' words are a finality of not just his love, but something far greater. I want to pray uh, Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles, you can actually turn to it. I'm just going to make it and, and adjust it to read for us as a, as a body here gathered today. So it's going to be our prayer. <clears throat> In you, O Lord, do we take refuge. Let us never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver us. Incline your ear to us. Rescue us speedily. Be a rock, Jesus, of refuge for us, a strong fortress to save us. For you are our rock and our fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead us and guide us. You take us out of the net our enemies have hidden for us. For you are our refuge. And into your hand we commit our spirit. You have redeemed us, O Lord, faithful God. Amen. Well, the statement, it is finished, is found only in the Gospel of John. It is alluded to in the other Gospels, but John is the only one that recorded it. And it is finished means to telesty. It's an accounting term that actually means to be paid in full. And so what is paid in full? And that's really the question. What is this it? And I've alluded to this already, but I, I want to give you... Uh, there's actually a long list of this it, but I want to give you seven phrases today. Um, seven being a perfect number, but I'll give you seven for today of what this it represents. And the first one, it represents his suffering is now finished. But like I said, each phrase was a glorifying of others. And if this statement just landed on himself, it would be uncharacteristic, would it not? It would be uncharacteristic of Jesus, especially considering his ministry, in other words, shared up until this point. You see, in our study of the book of Ephesians, if you're a guest here, we've gone through the book of Ephesians in the last six months. And what we learned in, in uh, the chapters of the book, uh, that amazing letter to the Ephesus church was that Jesus lays his life down for others. Humbling himself so that he might lift others up. See, and he continues to do this while hanging on a tree. You see, his suffering was for you and I. Jesus took the very suffering that a man named Barabbas should have experienced, a known criminal that was set free, and then his innocent Jesus taking his payment. Not the daily suffering that we experience now, but the, but the eternal suffering that was awaited was awaiting us if Jesus didn't step in the way. This is what he paid for. This is what he accomplished. See, Jesus was pierced for our iniquities. So in a way, Jesus' suffering is finished, but we must recognize while seeing Jesus on the cross, you must see it personally that Jesus took it for you. And as I was standing there singing, looking at this cross and the thorns, to stand beside this is very humbling. That a man 2,000 years ago was nailed to this. And he took it for me? He took it for you? 
See, Jesus' suffering for your sin needs to be the starting point. It has to be. Secondly, it is finished means God's will is accomplished. See, the very reason Jesus was originally set was to fulfill the will of the Father. The Father, most often thought of as harsh, wrath, judge, wrathful, judgmental, and cruel, portrayed through the things of the Old Testament. But when you hear this from your friends or, or neighbors or maybe people that uh, have accusations of God Almighty, thinking that he is a wrathful, judgmental God, there's no way I can worship him, you're hearing actually lies. You're hearing a falsehood. You're hearing people proclaim things when they don't know the whole story of the Bible. See, God the Father is not a cruel, evil tyrant, but a father like no other. A father that, according to 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9, doesn't want one to perish, but it reads, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. Do not look, overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Meaning you cannot understand God Almighty. But it also means that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you and I, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, this is why he has given his word. This is why he has given us Jesus this is why Adam lived as our first priest. He was given mercy even though he defiled the temple of God. This is why Noah was given an ark. This is why Abraham was given a ram to be substituted for his son Isaac. This is why Job was renewed. This is why Ruth was given Boaz. Esther was placed in the kingdom to free God's people. Moses was given to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery. That the prophets and priests were to serve the people. God's will was to bring salvation to the world because of the world's sin. And he accomplished this through his only son. This is not a wrathful, evil God. See, evil God, does, but a God that is loving this is what a God that is loving does. But don't get me wrong, God the Father is also perfectly wrathful while being perfectly loving. So while being perfectly loving towards us, his perfect wrath was being fulfilled onto Jesus. God's will was accomplished. It is finished on the cross of Christ. So it is finished also means, number three, the power of sin was atoned for. Jesus became our sacrifice, our spotless lamb. Jesus shed his blood as the covering agent for our sin. I love the, the verse, Romans 6, uh, 23, where it says, for the wages of your sin. <clears throat> the wages of your sin. We should all understand this, that your sin requires a a payment, just like when you do a, a job for your boss or your employee or whatever, you require a payment. See, Jesus' job is to pay us our wages. And unfortunately, our wages is death. And so it's so weird and contrary to go, well, God is so wrathful, why would he ever do this? But that's exactly what you deserve. You deserve death. He is a just God has to pay you your wage for the wages of your sin is death. But his loving action in this verse is equally important 
it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus became the way to the Father. In John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, For I delivered to you as of first importance that what I also received. So of first importance, Paul says in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, that Christ died for our sins, our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. See, it is finished is the atoning substitution of Jesus for us. Jesus for Adam. Jesus for Abraham. Jesus for Moses. Jesus for Isaac. Jesus for David. Jesus for Barabbas. And Jesus for you. It's incredible. The fourth, it is finished, means the prophecies are fulfilled. I've said this before, but between Genesis to Malachi, there are over 300 prophecies fulfilled from the, pla from the place of Jesus was to be born to the suffering he was to take for us. One specific prophecy blows my mind. It's found in Isaiah 53, verse 5, 500 years prior Jesus' birth. Think about that. If Jesus was to be born today, that was in the year 1500. And someone in the year 1500 said, you know what? There's going to be this man named Jerry. He's going to be six foot seven, born in White Rock, and this is how he's going to die. You would not believe this, but yet would it come true 2,000 years later? See, this prophecy says that, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. See, this should never have happened. The day after Jesus' death was the Sabbath, so they needed to remove the bodies before this day because on the Sabbath there was no work to be done. So ritually, they were to take all the bodies and have them buried before the next day that began, which was about 6 p.m. that night. So you needed to remove the bodies before this day, so they had the guards break the legs of those hanging on the cross so they would die of suffocation. See, death on the cross was not a death of nails through your arms or your hands and your feet. You would not die from this. But when lifted up and erected, that cross would drop into a hole to stand upright. The shoulders would dislocate as you hung there and you were now suffocating. And every 30 seconds or so, you would have to push off on those bottom nails and pull up as much as you possibly can just to grab a breath. So the guards broke the legs of those hanging on the cross. They would die of suffocation. After breaking the legs of both robbers, they came to Jesus and realized he was already dead. Now this, by the way, is one of the arguments that Jesus wasn't God, the scoffers of Christianity hold to, that he was brutally whipped, nailed to the cross, faked his death, escaped from the tomb, and showed himself to a whole bunch of people and then disappeared. This is what scoffers would believe. One of the problems with this theory, and many, there are many problems with this theory, were the guards. See, these guards are professionals in their trade, and even if they weren't, they still had ways around people faking death. 
See, they would take a spear and place it under the ribs and pierce the criminal through the heart, which would release water and blood. If the water and blood was not separate, then they know that the heart was still beating and they just pierced the heart, killing the individual. If water and blood would spew out, separated, they'd know the heart had stopped beating already and that person was already dead. So this theory of Jesus faking his death is silly. See, I said this one blows my mind because not only was this prophecy blows my mind because not only was Jesus prophesied to be pierced 500 years prior, but this is even before crucifixion was even invented. It was also prophesied that none of his bones would be broken. You can see this in Psalm 34, verse 20. So the it of it is finished, is suffering is finished, God's will is accomplished, sin is atoned for, prophecies are fulfilled. And fifth, it is finished means the symbols are fulfilled. Now there are many symbols pointing to for the foreshadowing of the coming Savior. And man, that would be an amazing sermon series and maybe we'll do that one day. But the sacrificial system... The unblemished animal, the temple, the curtain separating God and man, the priest, the rock, the snake being lifted up to to be looked upon for healing in the book of Numbers. The list continues. There are symbols everywhere foreshadowing the coming of Jesus. Remember, this is the week of Passover. Celebrating God's power over Pharaoh through the ten plagues of Egypt. This is what is celebrated this week. Ending with a slain lamb or the slain firstborn. See, bloodshed over the doorposts of your home would reveal to the angel of death that you were a follower of God and abided in him. The angel of death then would pass over the homes that had, to, had the stained blood across their doors. And if no blood across the doors, the firstborn of that home would be killed for their disobedience. The disobedience of not recognizing God for being God. This is the greatest foreshadow of the cross we see in Scripture. It is the most commonly told story throughout Scripture, referenced constantly by others within the Bible. Our accepting and confessing Jesus as Lord is a statement that takes his blood for us as a covering of our sin. It's saying and proclaiming that Jesus is God. See, if you, if you choose not to accept Jesus as Lord, then you, like those firstborn of Egypt will be taken and judged according to your sin. See, in Hebrews 4.13, it says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You cannot hide what you've done. See, we must not ignore the symbolism that Jesus is proclaiming to be finished is it is to remember this day, this Good Friday, it is the day the penalty was paid in full by the blood of Jesus, which we are called to remember regularly. Suffering finished. God's will accomplished. Sin atoned for. Prophecies fulfilled. The symbols are fulfilled. And six, it is finished means the foreshadowing is accomplished. The foreshadowing of people, events, occurrences, places and things. Jesus, the better Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, David, priest, king, judge, prophet, servant, lion, and lamb. All complete in this act of love for us and wrapped up only as Jesus could in the words, it is finished. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19 says this, it's on the screen. 
All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry now of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, friends, is to now go and share this story with others. Reconciling, helping reconcile others to God their Father. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them any longer and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation to go and share with one another this incredible story. See, the message of reconciliation, friends and visitors, is is that Jesus came to pay your sin. This is why we celebrate Good Friday. Jesus came to live a perfect life that you cannot live. It is impossible. You cannot stand before a holy God. Jesus came to do that for you, to replace himself for you, to substitute himself for you so that he, he could pay the penalty that you deserve, so that he can pay the wages of your death upon himself. This is the story of Christianity. This is the story of what Jesus, why Jesus came And he said, it is finished accomplishing it. Taking on the the full wrath of God, the penalty that we all deserve upon his back. This is the story of the reconciliation. And one day, we will bow to him. One day we will bow to him. And friend, if you have not bowed to him yet, I encourage you, make this day the day. I've not always been a pastor. I used to actually drive Coca-Cola trucks around the city delivering sugar water. It was a lot of fun. Got to know the city really well. Um, But man, it was a rough room when all the truckers got together and we were doing our paperwork at the end of the day. And this story was constantly reflecting in my heart because ongoing was the words not as a praise, but as a curse word, Jesus Christ. Constantly being cursed in that room. And I got sick of it one day, and it probably helped because of my size, but I went up to these guys that were cursing Jesus Christ, and I said, you know what, guys? You will have to bow to him one day, either as your judge, as a judge of yours, and the sin that you've committed, or as a savior. Which one do you want? Either you have to pay for your sin or he will pay for it for you. See, I want to say the same thing to each one of us. One day you will bow to him. Either as perfect, wrathful judge and the most loving thing that he could do is would judge you for your sin. Or you bow to him as your savior because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior and redeemer and reconciler. And you give your life to him. See, Jesus was lifted up by man and hung for all to see. And the majority of the people that day mocked him, scoffed at him, accused him of being false. Days later, God the Father raised Jesus up. Man raised him up on a cross to kill him. God raised him up 
eternally and set him on a throne, not on a cross anymore that was paid for, but God the Father raised him up and set him on a throne. And in Philippians 2, it says what I've been saying. It says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Not one tongue will be silent on the day of his second return. See, I said that there would be seven explanations of what the it means in the phrase, it is finished. And the seventh wraps all six with just one word. It's redemption. Redemption simply means to be deemed free. Redemption is finished. This is going to be a bold statement, but one that is backed up by this Passover weekend. Like in the story of the Exodus, which I explained already a little bit, there were either homes that had blood spread on the doorpost because of the spotless lamb that they obeyed the command through Moses from God, that they were to take a spotless lamb and shed its blood and cover the doorpost and lintel of the door around that home. So when the angel of death would come over that house, they would see the blood shed, the payment of their sin was paid for and it would pass over that house. And now this plague was different than others. Some other plagues were committed to just Egypt where this plague was for Egypt and Israel. No one was excluded from it. Just like the final day when Jesus again will come, no one will be excluded. Either you have the bloodshed of Christ covering your doorpost your life or you don't there's only two options either you choose to live your life on your own terms and you create your own little gods that you worship all your life and you go you know what my god isn't that like that my god's like this and you've just elevated yourself to godlike status creating your own god it's foolishness So either you have the blood of Jesus covering your sin or you don't. So either you accept the person of Jesus as your spotless lamb and his payment for your sin and you live it out. Like live it out. You don't just hear this, but you do it. Just like James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you're just hearing this, and, not, and walking out this door and not doing it, you're deceiving yourself. You're just one that knows the story, but isn't acting on it. And I worry for you. See, it's not your works that sal- bring salvation, but your works express your faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ. See, or you have not done this. You, you just continue to do your own thing, you, meaning you are either redeemed or you are destined to pay for your own sin. See, the answer to the question of the it here, just to close, is redemption is finished. Now, I guess the question is, what are you going to do about it? You can either go on living your life as is and one day bow your knee to Jesus as your judge, as unfortunately many of my friends have done already, or bow your knee today to Jesus as your Redeemer. Good Friday. 
can one describe such a day? The wrongdoing of all humanity, putting to an end an innocent man, the Son of God. This is the story of Jesus' death by way of a cross, all in one moment bringing death to the bright light of our future. He never stopped loving us, and yet this is the incredible part of it. Our sin stopped his heart. Our sin drove the nails firmly in the hands of God. All along, these were the plans. We told ourselves that we were in control, and this was deemed sufficient for all of us. The brutal beating, the inhuman flogging, the naked humiliation. Heaven watched and saw it all. Our rebellion, our guilt, our shame, erasing the very notion of reconciling us with God. Our sin and our debt, overcoming Jesus. Here is our King, obliterated. The enemy laughing, his plans unstoppable. There's no longer the sound of freedom rising. Now God's people are utterly broken. Behold the chains of mortality. Yes, this is what is true. We had heard the stories of old. The lost are found, the blind can see, the weak are made strong. But now we are witnesses to this reality. God is dead. We'd almost believed there is a way of redemption, there is a life of fulfillment, there is a peace beyond understanding. Now we know better. For us, we can say that God is encapsulated in this one realization. The single greatest sacrifice in human history is finished. How clearly we can see it. So what's so good about Good Friday? just one thing, that the blood of Jesus can reverse the curse of sin and raise the dead to life. How clearly we can see it is finished. The single greatest sacrifice in human history encapsulated in this one realization. We can say that God is for us. Now we know better. There is a peace beyond understanding. There is a life of fulfillment. There is a way of redemption. We had almost believed God is dead, but now we are witnesses to this reality. The weak are made strong. The blind can see. The lost are found. We had heard the stories of old. Yes, this is what is true. The chains of mortality utterly broken. Behold, freedom rising. Now God's people are unstoppable. There's no longer the sound of the enemy laughing. His plans obliterated. Here is our King, Jesus, overcoming our sin and our debt, reconciling us with God, erasing the very notion of our rebellion, our guilt, our shame. Heaven watched and saw it all, the naked humiliation, the inhuman flogging, the brutal beating, and this was deemed sufficient for all of us. We told ourselves that we were in control. All along, these were the plans firmly in the hands of God. 
Our sin drove the nails. Our sin stopped his heart. And yet, this is the incredible part of it. He never stopped loving us. The bright light of our future all in one moment, bringing death to death by way of a cross. This is the story of Jesus, the Son of God, an innocent man putting to an end the wrongdoing of all humanity. How can one describe such a day? Good Friday. <laughs>